0: Welcome everybody to the Couple of Nurses podcast on this couple of news segment. Thank you for your time. Make sure you guys check us out at CoupleNurses.com and frontlinewarriorsclub.com. Make sure you give us the five stars. Make sure you give us all the likes you guys have. Check us out on YouTube because we are on YouTube. And if I am gonna be correct on my time, we're gonna be coming back for from our two-week RV road trip at about the time of this, this launch. Yeah. It's gonna be very exciting, very cool. It's gonna be a bunch of content for you guys. We're going to travel all the way through the Pacific Northwest, right?
1: Yeah, it's gonna be exciting. So make sure you guys are subscribed to our YouTube channel because we'll be releasing vlogs every single week or every single two weeks based on all of our experiences. We're gonna vlog everything. I've never really been on an RV trip like this, so I'm pumped. And this is actually our last recording in this house in California.
0: Yeah, for all of you that are watching us on YouTube, this exact spot that we are currently recording in is where we started our Podcast and travel nursing, you know, through through all these eight months.
1: Right, it's been awesome, man.
0: And I'm super stoked about this RV trip. I'm super stoked getting back to Chicago, and I'm super stoked about making some more awesome content for you guys.
1: So let's go. So on today's episode, couple news episode 53, we're going to talk about the future of medicine and health technologies in the next 25 years. We've already seen such a, such a different change of what's happening. The emergence of e-health e-patient amazon's getting into things it's gonna be an interesting 25 years so we're gonna go run you down of what could potentially happen and the first one is universal healthcare coverage in u.s this would be a government thing even like our healthcare system is the number one that gets it's the number one in the world of the amount of money we spend yet we're not the healthiest country
0: yeah, but I feel like a lot of that spending in healthcare also goes a lot of healthcare research, yes, which yes. is in that, in that budget, so that's why we're just kind of a, a little bit skewed of, of a number. We do spend the most, and according to the stats of how healthy we are as a society, we're not in a, even in the top five. Uh, but we do spend the most money out of every country. Another good stat for us, or if you guys are curious, in 2018, 92% of U.S. citizens were, or had coverage insurance coverage. So that left about 8.5% of the population without any coverage, which does seem seem like a decent standard. Over time, as these years progress, it seems like more and more people are getting health insurance. And of course, depending on who the really ruling party is, the Democratic Party or Republican Party, it swings a few percentage the other yeah. one direction or the other. Usually when Democrats are in power, there seems to be more universal health coverage and a bigger push for health care. And then when Republicans are in office, it's, it's more of like a privatized thing, but the numbers only sh- like switch a few percent. It's not that big of a deal, which party's in power. It's yeah. usually still the same for the most part.
1: It should be essential health benefit to have universal healthcare, because think about it. There's so many people that are worried about prescription pill coverage, or they have to literally work for a paycheck, hard earned money just to buy an insulin syringe or the bottle for their medication. So. Imagine how productive society would be if you don't have to worry about the amount of money you're spending on your health. There should be incentive to living healthier because ultimately that creates a more productive society. And I hope on a federal level everything's covered because then we could do so much with you know, American culture.
0: What's interesting to notice during these times is the availability and the prevalence of a vaccine and the sense of how... We are able to mass produce this vaccine on a national and even possibly a global scale, but yeah, look at the cost for insulin, the syringes, the actual insulin, and that just shows you that when it comes to getting things done, we could do them. We can mass produce things on on like a grand scale. It has to be because that's the thing that has to be, has to be incentive, and the incentive for for insulin manufacturers is the the thought of the scarcity aspect of it, that, hey, it's high cost because it's something hard to produce and hard to make and, hard, and it's hard to get. But how can you say that if somehow we we're able to mass produce this mRNA vaccine to vaccinate people in such a short amount of time and make it, and make it free for people? How can you make a new technology free for people that's supposed to be expensive to manufacture because it's, it's a new up-and-coming thing? How can you afford that? And you're saying, hey, let's vaccinate the whole US or the whole globe. But then, when it comes to insulin, it's like, hey, sorry, this is kind of how it is. Right. That's it's completely skewed. So uh, obviously, there's there's some lying going on. Because if you could mass produce a new technology that's still developing, and you're gonna tell me that, hey, you can't mass produce insulin because, you know, it's like this great breakthrough that we had x amount of years ago. Like, it makes you makes you wonder. Right. So it supply and
1: demand. That's what keeps the. Price driven
0: high in a way. And supply and demand. It shows you how the the, the the demand is high, but the supply yet is geared by the corp by the corporation and manufacturers, yeah. because you can mass produce certain things. It's just their choice if they want to mass produce it, and they don't because the instead of it's so high where they make so much money off each vial compared to the cost of creating that vial, whether they don't want to do that,
1: but they can. Yeah, and that's why we mentioned in different episodes that yes, we think there's a private agenda based on all this, we covered in different episodes. We're not going to even touch that surface now, but the next revolution in the future health technology, when it comes to everything is hopefully there's going to be more empowerment and responsibility in your health. And that is a creation of the patient of the tech revolution, which is going to be the e-patient, which means in the empowerment, which is through advancement of technology, just like we have phones or getting into VR, the patient is going to be more empowered where the medical record is always accessible we know we talked about it whether it's maybe it's not the best idea to have it live where the patient could read it you know at the at the time of their hospitalization yeah but they could finally start reading notes and figuring out more in their care
0: right exactly like even have an app on their phone or just some kind of a note or paperwork that says hey you have these underlying conditions and this is your medication right but somewhere
1: accessible and, and like a simple format. Yeah, or, or just the, the plan of care. How many patients do you have where they're just like, so what's going to happen today? Who, what physicians am I seeing? They have no idea how the hospital works. And that creates so much fear and anxiety in these patients. So imagine if they were empowered, they would feel so much better. We have to somehow bridge that aspect because doctors are just in and out. Like you see it, they're busy. Yeah, the,
0: my favorite note physicians are the ones that have the day by day synopsis of, of what happened. And imagine if you had that day-by-day synopsis in each physician note, and the patient could access that within like a 24-hour time frame or whenever the note gets published. It's a physician's choice when to publish that note. And imagine if you could could see that, because when you're in a hospital for two weeks, three weeks, you get very discouraged. Like, I'm not getting better, you know, they keep doing things to me, and I'm still sick. But imagine if you present a list to the patient, like, hey, I know you've been here two weeks, and I know you feel like crap, and I know... It feels for you. I know you feel like you're not getting better, but you are progressing. Here's my note. Look at my last note. You've been here for two weeks. This is 14 days of of things that we did, and look how we're progressing. That might encourage a patient to keep going.
1: Or or imagine if the interaction with the patient is recorded, so they could reflect back and look at it. Might be a little bit more far-fetched there, Mm -hmm. but that's just one little thought I had, right?
0: Yeah. Or every time a patient, every time a physician enters a patient room, maybe there's like a tablet in each room where a physician just writes a quick summary what they talked about and it leaves it there and the patient could you know, read that over maybe the patient was sleeping and the physician didn't want to wake him up or woke him up real quick and the patient just like hey can you leave me a note and he left him a note and, like, so.
1: and that would also solve the, the nurses like we'd be, we'd be less responsible because you know how often we have to like explain the things to the family we have to like repeat ourselves two or three times sometimes how about if the the doctor already makes this available to that via just a quick simple app patients read it, they're empowered, families empowered, less questions for us, less stress, less anxiety, we change the environment, less stress on a nurse, maybe we'd be more you know, happier at a workplace.
0: Definitely communication is one of the biggest factors when it comes to patient satisfaction and just work satisfaction, job satisfaction, satisfaction in general, because then everyone is always on the, the same page. Yeah. Yeah. The next emerging technology in about the next 25 years that's slowly coming out, is brain computing interfaces. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of something called Neuralink. That's the kind of concept and the idea. The most prevalent one currently, I could say, is probably the one for Parkinson's disease, where it sends out different electrical pulses based on electrical pulses that are being generated by, by the person. So it almost counter-reacts certain, uh, certain impulses. And that allows you the ability to get rid of the shakiness and movement as associated with Parkinson's disease.
1: So this is a little bit like transhumanism because we're doing brain-computer interfaces. What I like about this, I'm not completely sold on it based on, you know, things that we talked about in previous episodes. But I, I love that we're going to be able to potentially cure all disabilities with brain interfacing. Where if the patient can't have sight, we could put a chip in. If they can't hear, they're gonna have a cochlear implant. If the memory is going bad, we can maybe put a memory chip in. That'd be amazing if we could. We would solve a symptom of you know neurodegenerative diseases or people that are paralyzed.
0: Potentially, yeah. And we see the the retina technology now. I've looked a little bit into it. It's still not as prevalent uh, and as and as vision enhancing as you might think it is. They're saying that technology they have nowadays currently can map out different shapes and different light patterns but they don't have the ability to improve someone's vision to an average person's vision like yours or mine but it's making their they're making their way you know I make progress it takes time it's still something emerging and we are still trying to figure out that link between humans and technology Once to figure out that link how we can make computing and interface more cohesive and and figure out to like a better level that's when these giant Emerges and giant leaps technology are going to, to happen. You just have to figure out the fundamentals and the basics. Same with the cochlear implant. that to improve hearing. And we do a pretty decent job with that now. A lot of patients have hearing aids and they're new in technology. And they could almost restore their, their hearing from like, almost being deaf to almost hearing fully. Yeah. And I think the cochlear implants, technolo- technology-wise, are a little bit better than the, than the retinal implants.
1: We shall see. The next one for future health technologies is 3D printing. So in 2015, the University of College in London was experimenting with like 3D drugs and they actually made dinosaur-shaped pills for kids which were easier to take for the and also because it was a powdered powdered drug layer, it dissolves faster than the average pill. So the future could actually help have pills that are maybe extended release without having the caps or we could still crush them and making them actually more bioavailable for the patients since for 3D printing. Yeah,
0: that'll be, that'll be groundbreaking. And even now with, now with organ transplants, since there's so little organ transplants in the, in the world and in the US, they're actually trying to create ways to 3D print organs. So they want to use certain cells to be mapped together and you could say 3D printed together to create certain organs like a liver, a lung, even even heart tissue, vessels. They're trying to 3D print the vasculature of our body because that, imagine if you were able to 3D print different vessels, that would be a giant solution to coronary artery disease because they'd be theoretically able to cut out that artery, coronary artery that's perfusing poorly and swap it out with a 3D printed article. Instead order. of
1: grafting from like calf
0: muscle. Exactly. Instead of grafting, it will completely get rid of grafting. Imagine that. And yeah. something that they're trying to work on and it's it will just be amazing how they're able to use cells, cardiac cells, epithelial cells, any kind of specific cell or even stem cells and just use that as the material for 3D printing. Yeah.
1: You can actually even 3D print at home. You can even 3D print food. But... We don't know what the future repercussions that are on our health when we eat 3D printed food, which is just paste type ingredients. Like, who knows? It's artificial. I don't think there's going to be anything you know, healthy about that. So the next one is, as new technologies are merging, they it might bring new diseases. And what that means is, now we're going to have virtual reality, right? There might there's going to be new D, DSM-5 uh, rules. Imagine playing Call of Duty and having post-traumatic stress disorder, but we're going to call it VPSD, which is going to be virtually going to have the same symptoms suffering the same same thing just from virtual warfare. Yeah. And
0: imagine how much more stimulated kids are going to be in the future with this virtual reality. We are, we and our people that are younger than us and our kids, our future kids, there's always an increase in stimulation as the generations go, go down. Our parents had the TV and radio. Yeah. We have a greater access to TV great access to radio and cell phones. We're always being stimulated by something. Imagine entering VR where your whole atmosphere and all the four walls around you, it's all, it's all fake, it's all virtual reality. Imagine that that's the image going to bring. Yes. Like you're in a video game and you turn around and you're in that video game. There's people next to you. There's like Call of Duty, there's gunfire going on. Whoever played Call of Duty, you know there's violence going on nonstop. And imagine having access almost as a
1: live action game. Yeah, and and if you think that people got seizures from walking, playing video games on TVs, imagine the amount of seizure activity from yeah. um, a highly stimulated game like that. Because I played it before, like the the like the saber the sword one, yeah, like the dancing one, and like man, my head like felt like it was on fire. I don't know if it was from the helmet or just from the stimulation from this damn app. Yeah. And one thing that I that's scary about this, which could bring you disease if people aren't aware now and using your phone is literally like playing this slot machine. Cause it's like, Oh, well, let's see what's on Facebook today or Instagram. And it's like addicting, whether it's swiping on social media apps, dating apps, like it's such a dopamine release. What is that? We, we, wow. We, we thought that we became connected with technology yet it's creating so much issues, disconnection, loneliness, oppression, Look at Facebook. It was an experiment for social media to connect people. And now we're disconnected. We hate each other more. And it's just exposing human behavior more and more.
0: Yeah. yeah. Artificial food is one of the next up and coming emerging technologies in the next 25 years. We've heard about lab grown meat. So currently... In the sense, they could make lab-grown meat. What they can do is, let's say, they can remove a shoulder of a cow and use that muscle tissue and pop the muscle tissue in a petri dish and grow that in a lab. They could use that part of the shoulder muscle, that muscle tissue, pop it in a petri dish in the lab, and then regrow that just multiply. in a petri dish, multiply it, make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And so Instead like, of actually having to grow that cow and just using that cow for that meat, they're able to grow specific types of meat in the
1: lab. So you can just have that ribeye grow each time.
0: Right. It's wild. wild.
1: And you know, Bill Gates is advocating for this and he's thinking that the richest countries should switch to diets that are consistent of synthetic meats in order to curb greenhouse emissions. And that's, and we've done a few episodes about this. And when you look
0: at the actual greenhouse emissions, this fight against meat, this war against meat it doesn't drastically change any of these greenhouse gas metrics because agriculture only accounts for about ten percent of of the carbon and the gas and the methane emissions. That's all the livestock in the United States. Yeah. Only ten yep. percent. And yeah, and that goes for you know whatever some certain plants also in the greenhouse gases, and you have to also think about monocropping. That damages the environment as well. I know it's not necessarily related really directly to greenhouse gases, but that's also detrimental to the environment, right? So if it only accounts ten percent. Why don't we focus on things that are a little bit bigger? Because I don't really understand this fight against meat. If we're pushing towards this pro nature and environment, and you're saying, hey, the only way to be pro nature and pro environment is to make fake food, right. that's tough. that's like going exactly against what you're what you're believing in. Because as humans, over time we've began to eat animals more and more and more as long as well as vegetables and fruits we we eat a diet full of different different foods and different nutrients come from different things so why are we saying that hey let's let's move away from our natural eating pattern eating habits to this artificial
1: eating habit and that'll make the world a better place Yeah, I don't know. It's like all backwards. Especially if you look at the EPA report in 2019, the transportation sector accounted for 29% of greenhouse emissions. The electricity production accounted for 25%. The industry, when it comes to transportation and burning fossil fuels, 23%. And us, the commercial residential sector, 13%. So there's bigger fish to fry when it comes to eating synthetic meat, I feel like. Like, let me eat my damn ribeye, right? So the next one is... The merger of wearable manufacturers with with health insurance companies right now i'm wearing the hoop band that is a private company in the future there might be incentives which already in 2017 qualcomm which is a chip manufacturer partnered up with united healthcare and they started like a national wellness program so it's cool there's going to be eligible plans you can you know get a thousand dollars if you reach your monthly goal or something like that but also with this penalize the people that are not taking it themselves? Is that an ethical thing to do? I think I'm totally
0: for this. If, if we are forced to pay for health insurance, then there should be a way to separate coverages in a way. So we're able to separate plans by, by, by if you're willing to pay more, you get better coverage. But what if my risk is really low? and I still want that high coverage, even though I, I will, it won't m- most likely impact me or I won't fully use the benefits, but I still want that safety blanket, then if I'm a healthy person, the incentive should be, hey, better coverage for less amount of, amount of pay because I'm never going to use this. I just use this as just a cushion in case something were to happen. I know it's not likely, but I just want that protection. Right. And I'm totally for it because that would be a giant incentive for society. If you tell society, or if you give insurance companies the ability to not only increase costs for people, but decrease p- costs for people, as an incentive to better their health and better their, their lives, and kind of put water on this giant healthcare fire we have in the United States, that would be a move in the right direction. I'm not sure why that isn't happening. Is it because, uh, like, you, like you said, would that be discrimination yes. by by saying, hey? I'm gonna charge you more because you're not living your life properly or in a healthy manner. Yeah, because I mean, then, technically, you'd be, you'll be telling somebody how to live their life, and that's not okay. But really, you're not telling them how to live their life. We're telling them, hey, the way you're living life is at a higher risk. So that's why we're going to charge you more.
1: I mean, they're already doing it now, technically, with raffles for people that are vaccinated. California's doing it. There's incentives, uh, free donuts. So if you think about it, they're already technically doing that in a way. If the government cared about your health, wouldn't they rather partner up with wearable bands and actually really care about your health and making sure you're actually cardiovascularly healthy and preventing the number one killer in America, which is cardiovascular health? That sounds like a damn better idea, but you know, I'm just a nurse. Yeah. <laughs> so the so next thing, the director of the CDC in Africa, John Neg- Negasang, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, he thinks the future of medicine is going to lie in Africa. That continent in 2015 is estimated to have a population of 2.5 billion people worldwide. That means that one in four, every one in four people in the world will be from an African-American descent. That's a giant chunk of population. There is for sure
0: already companies and countries trying to almost like infiltrate Africa. I know China plays a big role in Australia and it also plays a big role in in Africa where they're trying to develop cities and different roads and and paths for for commerce and agriculture and just business there because it is a giant first of all it's a giant continent and most of it is still you could say undeveloped and undiscovered there's still a lot of land that has potential to be modernized and it's going to be a point in time where people realize hey and these companies realize that hey working in europe the north america asia provides some profit and a lot of profit but if we could expand and build out africa that's another means of revenue for
1: these companies yeah and and they're planning on targeting the public health order specifically so they're going to try to talk about genetic um and biological makeups they're going to do be doing biobanks and cups like both physical and health uh, bioinformatic facilities so that future of dna sequencing and stuff that's going to be the health in um, africa and if you go on um africans union agenda you'll be able to read more about those topics and what they're trying to do in the public health sector
0: yeah a big news topic for all of us is amazon wants to create their own hmo in the next upcoming years which is, which is gigantic because at one point in time, there, there was a destruction and breakup of monopolies. I feel like Amazon is almost approaching that monopoly thing. No one is saying anything. Yeah, because they manufacture goods, they sell goods, and they transport goods, and they have an, uh, like an airport business. They have their own planes, they have their own airports and landing and now they want to do insurance. So this is is, uh, pretty
1: intense. Uh, This is giant because everybody shops at Amazon. How much lobbying is involved in this? Because this is a monopoly. They're gonna have their own network of doctors. They have the wearable bands, they have everything. They're getting into the pharmaceutical industry of delivering your prescription pills. Yeah. Amazon.care.
0: They have books, they have the Kindle, they have technology that's able to sit in your room and listen to you talk, Alexa. All that jazz, it's, it's, it's crazy, you know? And you know, Google is doing it too. Apple's doing it too, but Amazon is just a giant, it's a giant. Like it's insane to think about that majority of people buy from Amazon and majority of people sell on Amazon and yet Amazon creates their own products. Yeah. And they always recommend their products before anybody else's that's just and something. that's giant, yeah.
1: So in summer of 2021, this is gonna go national wide. And this is going to be an interesting experiment. So they're going to merge with telehealth and home-based care. So as you're, you know, looking at COVID, you're working from home, you're basically going to have personalized medicine at home. So maybe it is going to be precision medicine. You're going to be able to have a conversation with a doctor through telehealth. And if there's something wrong, maybe you feel like there's a bird in your chest, right? AFib. You could actually have a licensed pract- practice your nurse come in your home and assess you. That's gonna be precision. Yeah. So maybe we could prevent the large spending of United States healthcare. Right, and it might be
0: a giant opportunity and a large progression of nurses. Maybe they might send, maybe there might be an opportunity for a growth in the home health section where you can subscribe to a monthly visit by a nurse or a subscription base where a nurse comes to check you out every you know week that she comes and draws your blood gives you some fluids or something and then, you know, she leaves, does your vitals, draws blood, gives you fluid, does some recommendations and then she leaves and that's like your wellness check.
1: And imagine the future of medicine when it comes to treatments and exams.
0: Yeah, a lot of breakthroughs.
1: How, however you create technology to have better personal tests, that's going to be the future too. But now the question is, is if we're, if we're going for universal healthcare and now all of a sudden... Amazon is a private company, and they're getting into the health sector. How is it going to interfere with all that? Yeah,
0: yeah. we'll see. We, we don't see. know. Yeah. Well, thank you all for your time on this awesome episode. We talked about the emerging health technologies up and coming in the next twenty-five years.
1: We shall see what's going to happen. Thank you for tuning in. Cupofnurses.com. We are FrontlineWarriors.com for everything. Merch coming soon. We appreciate you guys listening. Peace.
0: How's it going, guys? Ciao.